0: all right good morning everyone it is an absolute honor and a pleasure to have waters above crypto joining me this morning thank you so much brother
1: i appreciate you having me on it's amazing to connect with you i know it's been a long time
0: coming so i'm excited for this we got a lot to talk about a lot to cover i want to get right on into it but i do want to start out everyone needs to check out this guy's work because he's got the secret sauce I've long said in my community for all of the decoding, all of the, the the work there within the decoding community I always refer everyone to waters above and I don't know if you know this brother I, you probably don't uh, but last year I was basically when I stopped doing decoding because I was like, okay, waters above has it like he, he's got this covered. I'm gonna focus <laughs> my attention elsewhere but it was last year in uh, you know around uh, the summertime when you started talking about how we were coming up on a Shemitah year, how this cycle plays into our economy and world events. And that's when I got tapped into your work. And then you got us tapped in on combining the astrology, numerology with our technical analysis. And uh, I've been sharing the story here recently, uh, using your uh, moon phase pattern, using some of your analysis added to my understanding and my technical analysis, I was able to actually grow my trading bag 100% over the last four months during this bear market simply by using you know, some of your work. And so I, I owe a huge thank you to you and uh, our community as well because uh, I've taken advantage of it and I know my community has been able to ride out this chaos and all the distractions with much more <laughs> conviction because we've been able to see clearly on how this market is being manipulated and how it is moving. So I just wanted to say thank you uh, for, for helping me out with understanding how you're applying this uh, understanding and knowledge to your technical analysis trading. That means the world to me.
1: And I'm so glad that not only it helped you out, but it, it helped out your community as well. So it's all love. And it's great that this is creating a sense of awareness for people where perhaps they could be alleviated for some of them some of the normal, uh, you know, everyday sentiment driven emotional cycles that most retail investors get sucked into. You know, when you start to have this extra layer of knowledge and wisdom to apply, you become more self reliant
0: and, and you have a skill that is priceless. Yeah. Yeah, and you got it going on. You've been completely tapped in. You got us on the Shemitah year. That was massive in that part of our understanding. You allowed me to understand when the bear market was most likely gonna begin for cryptocurrency. You know, we knew we were getting close. And then recently, I felt like I was having deja vu, brother. When when we just had this most recent eclipse, going back to May was the last eclipse, right? Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And uh, we had the Luna, Terra Luna collapse and that sacrifice. And coming up on this series of events, and and we were looking at some things to get shaky towards the end of Shemitah. I was looking in October at a bunch of dates, and i had been throwing out a bunch of windows of opportunity is what I called them for my community. Because I said, guys, remember, it can happen in or around dates, we don't need to nail down the exact day or hour. But we have these windows of opportunity where history shows us some things have happened. And So I had a lot of people giving me flack, a lot of people hating, because I was looking at some dates towards uh, in October. Specifically, I noticed that in 08, 1987, and in 1929, all three of those crashes, the the main point of that crash had concluded during the Feast of Tabernacles. And so I said, okay, that's an interesting uh, deal there. And so that was Mm. one window of opportunity. And then we also looked at uh, how we're going to back, go back-to-back eclipses once again, just like we did last year. Mm-hmm. So we knew this was going to be an incredible moment. And I told everyone, I don't, you know, it looks like me we're going to be going back down to the downside around that that lunar eclipse. But uh, we know for sure we're going to have a massive amount of energy coming in. Did we know it was going to be the FTX sacrifice? Did, did we know the FTX was going to be put up there for us with Sam Bankman-Fried, the, the agent that he is? We didn't know that, but we knew the opportunity was prime. We, we knew the setting was there for a ritual sacrifice and we played it perfectly using the understanding that you've given us uh, during that uh, fake out, that fake out bull trap rally mm-hmm. around the new moon, partial solar eclipse. They get everyone excited, right? Mm-hmm. And then right on time, they, they sacrificed it on uh, that 11th, 8th lunar eclipse date how beautiful has it been to be just tapped in at this level that I don't see many other people. I mean, I see you and no one else covering this and having <laughs> this uh, over the target understanding. Uh,
1: you know, bro, um, this isn't actually that new for us. If you go, I mean, I know you said you've been watching my work for a while, but we've been doing this with some price targets on certain coins. We've been doing that. Like I, I was even showing um, a highlight reel, of uh, Solana and in my Patreon, I do a weekly, uh, I call it my weekly red pill podcast and I go over a bunch of altcoins that my community votes on. So if you see my normal YouTube videos, I'm only covering Bitcoin, Ethereum, XRP, but I i was covering uh, Solana and I showed the exact level of where to anticipate this next move to be for Sol and uh, came to fruition on the exact date you know, exactly around 14 bucks. So I'm combining gamatria with all of this and we could even take it another step further. And it's been happening so much with so many coins. And I think what happens there is um, people forget, you know, like some people just forget and it's too much. It's, it's a lot when there's, I mean, maybe a hundred coins doing all this different stuff and it's hitting perfect dates with these price targets. It could, it could be a very overwhelming and almost difficult to track. So for me, um, I think XRP is a great example of being able to just call it time after again and again and again, since the beginning, you know, that was where my channel really blew up and again if anyone from my community is listening i'm super grateful for every single one of you like we have the greatest community and now that i'm speaking with you like i know we're gonna have a like a lot of like-minded collaboration um and i know you also cover the xrp um you cover the the ecosystem really as well and you kind of go into it from a deeper level but i was saying back then that xrp would hit a dollar for the first time on the exact uh, day that it did it and it broke through a dollar and then we started tracking it. And then I talked about how it it probably won't break a new all time high at that moment where it went to like a $1.80, $1.90. I started getting a lot of flack, man, like from people, because that's the community like that was behind XRP specifically, they just wanted it to go to the moon. And I was talking at that time, how I was de-risking and I was doing this and they were like, crucifying me, you know? Yeah. And all I was trying to do was help. Like all I was trying to do was to get them to be aware of what's going on. And when it rolled over and it, it never really went back, you know, six months later, uh, there was another call that we had and that brought, that brought in a lot of confirmation, you know? So I get it. Like you have to prove yourself to the world. Sometimes like results are the universal language. So, it's beautiful to see that people um, are catching up and this recent lunar eclipse with this with the accuracy of it to the day that brought a lot of people over to be like okay this is this is it um, And when you're seeing the SP and the traditional markets not have the same energy necessarily as we're getting with crypto then it's it's showing you how important the eclipses are specifically for crypto. So if you're here for crypto and you're interested in crypto, and that's kind of like your your focus, uh, which I think it should be, you should always be focused on the next big thing, right? If you, you get into stuff when it's being called a scam, you get into things that are, you know, basically uh, volatile, crazy and wild, like getting in uh, after the dot-com bubble could have been the greatest decision ever in an investment thesis. And we're kind of in that environment right now. We're, we're in the wild, wild west. We're kind of learning what's up. And, um, this is the opportunity of a lifetime. So the more we're able to be emotionally stable and be less tribal, because that was where I was coming back to is there's going to still be that tribalism in the, in the call outs for predictions of future price targets. You feel me? And if we get too hung up on that and we start to have this like high level of conviction to these theories, um, and we don't take that step back to access our intuition and be like, uh, you know, in that, how do I say this? If, if we don't really utilize these skills, then sometimes it gets the best of us. And I think that's pride. Think that's a good example of pride. And I believe over the past couple of years, we saw pride do what it does best to a lot of uh, retail investors. And now they're finally seeing clearly that, okay, yeah, there's some easy money to be made, but that's not honest money, you know? And it's the people who really develop the, the, understanding of what's happening here in this matrix what's happening here in finances and the economy holistically those are the ones that are going to make it through they're going to be the ones that make it through the crisis for sure and then they're going to be the ones that rebuild and then they're going to be the ones that have generational wealth
0: and that's what we're here for man i'm so excited to get into this but before we do i want to make sure that i give you an opportunity i people get a little bit of a glimpse here on kind of just the first couple of things that we've covered into your background though but i wanted to give you an opportunity Uh, before I get too excited and get into all the stuff that we want to cover here, I want to give you the opportunity to give us a background. Who is Waters Above and what is your work about?
1: Yeah, so um, I was always interested in money, finances, and really what I was most interested in was like esoterica. I was just really um, fascinated by mythology and I was fascinated about what was going on behind the scenes with the families who are quote unquote ruling the world and and all of that and and you start getting into the banking system and Federal Reserve and all of the the machinations of of money in a whole. And when I got into the mythology, I really saw a deeper layer where even the colors of companies, you know the actual color of their aesthetic of their branding, they're seeing eagles, seeing olive branches, all of this stuff. I already knew the meaning of it. So when I stepped into crypto, I was like, oh my God, this is like such a beautiful thing because I already can see the symbolism and I could kind of make through what's happening here. So a long story short, I used to have private clients that I worked with to help develop portfolios and teach them about crypto and teach them about finances and uh, credit cards, how to leverage on debt, all of that and they were the ones that actually motivated me to start a channel. So I wasn't going to actually start a YouTube channel at all. They they motivated me to do it. And once I did it, um, you know, we kind of took off running. And I suppose what I brought to the world was combining technical analysis and Actually, quite basic TA, like I, I tried to strip it down and trim the fat and get to something that has a ton of utility without too much noise, without too much static on the charts. Mm-hmm. I took that basic TA and I combined it with Gematria, which is numerical ciphers, essentially taking a value uh, of a letter. So ABC could be one, two, three in a, in a very basic cipher. Z would be 26, so on. And I was combining Gematria, which I I knew beforehand that this is a Kabbalistic mystic code that could really be telling a lot, a lot of truth behind what is going on here in the blueprint of something, like the actual code of something. And I combined Gematria and numerology, astrology. I put it together with these big, you know, important projects in crypto, such as Bitcoin, Ripple, Ethereum, Cardano, et cetera. And it kind of just took off from there, you know. People were really interested in it, and people wanted to learn more. So, I got motivated uh, a lot through just taking the quantum leap to decide to share this with the world. And I'm really glad that I did, especially with my live streams, because even with that, I took about two months to get into lives. And in my lives, we don't even talk about crypto. We, we tried to talk about everything that I was just talking about before, like kind of where my my up my background was. And then besides that, I'm really, uh, really, really passionate about music. So I have a passion for music. I'm really creative in music. And I think my creativity in music and the arts in general allowed me to create something really unique with this channel. You know, I wasn't really influenced too much by other people. And that's been my whole life. Like, I try my best to just do do things creatively. So uh, I think Waters Above this channel is a, a really great example of just who I am and how I am as a person and I'm really like I've laid myself out there regarding a lot of my personal experiences and how I feel about the world and how I fear, feel about the future and all of that. And I'm really excited to hear more about how you feel about the the future of crypto and the world and the economy and all that jazz too.
0: Yeah, you've you your creation is one of a kind. As I was talking about, there's not many other YouTube channels that even come close I, I, to this level of understanding that you've displayed over the last year, I can't find anybody who's more on top of combining you know, the few different studies there, astrology, numerology, um, and, and putting it into this work. I, I don't see anybody else on top of it like you. So I, I think uh, you, for me, are the number one in the whole space right now for applying this knowledge to uh, the markets, not just crypto, but over to the markets. And so let's get right on into it. Before we go into some of that, the astrology, numerology, definitely want to talk about that dates and time calendars, but I wanted to get your quick take to a quick take on the current liquidity crisis. I, I just uh, was talking about how you helped me grow my trading bank by 100%. That was awesome. That was fun. Uh, thank you so much for helping us. But because of the liquidity crisis that was going on, I didn't want to be in tether. I didn't want to have my funds on exchanges. So I just transferred it all to XRP and I got it the heck off the exchanges. Mm -hmm. What is your take right now as far as are you trading this market still? Are you worried about liquidity funds on exchanges? Where are you at with this?
1: That's an amazing and important question. Um, I actually have had two recent interviews before this one that I focused a lot on talking about hardware wallets and about cold storage. But this is something that I've been talking about forever, you know, and I think since the Terra Luna ritual, that was kind of like the starting point of the, (laughs) you know, like we can see the lighthouse now, like we're getting close to the shores and like the more mistakes you make when you're close to the safety, like that's kind of where the big, the biggest mistakes lie. So there's clearly uh, issues right now in the environment of crypto, and it starts a lot with the security, with the you know, the the idea of where all these companies are, are headed, you know, because I'll just come out and admit that if people think they know, you probably don't really know. Like this stuff is all very interwoven into conglomerates and those conglomerates could be central banks. So with what just happened with FTX, you're starting to see all the companies that SBF is tied to. But you're going to start learning a lot more every day, there's going to be more and more and more that's revealed. And as it's revealed, it's going to almost be impossible to know what's the best move to make. So I'm just going to say that to then uh, lean over into you and, and, and say that I think what you did was the smartest thing. Besides just putting it in whatever crypto that you personally believe in, get it onto a hardware wallet and make sure that the hardware wallet that you get, I'm not here to promote Ledger or Decent or whatever one you think is best. Just make sure that you get it from the company. Make sure you buy it directly from their official website. Do not buy it from a third party retailer. You might think because Black Friday is coming up that it's a smart time to get a Trezor from Best Buy or no, that's stupid. It could be a faulty device and you saving an extra 15 bucks could cost you your whole portfolio. So that would probably be the best device I could give at this time. I don't really know what exchange could possibly be safe because this market is unregulated. What could we, you know, at the end of the day, what really is safe when we're talking about investment <laughs> that goes back to just like the basics of investing. it's like, this is really unsafe to begin with. Um, so just the fact that in crypto, we could cu- we could custody our own uh, private keys, that's beautiful. You know, you don't really get that in stocks, right. um, unless you have access to LIBOR or Meribor or some, something like that, but that's pretty high level stuff. So the point of everything is that there is no perfect exchange, there is no perfect, uh, you know, There is no perfect way of doing this at this time until regulations come in. And it's funny because it's like people want the regulations and some people don't want the regulations and it's a hot potato and nobody could really figure out what they, what they desire out of all of this. And everyone's going to start blaming people. Everyone's blaming Sam Freed. And then they're going to blame the people that come out after him that they're like, no, they did it. And it's just going to be this like mess. You know what I mean? And I mean, and I think that's going to, it's going to get worse. So at this time, probably best to just do what, what you said, what you right.
0: did. Yeah, I, I, I figured hey, I'm going to take my chips off the table and I'm going to try to leave the casino before they lock us in, which is what's taking place right now. Now, uh, one other quick take on this. Right now, there's this ongoing Twitter space with all the, um, the OGs in the space, You know, the, mostly Bitcoin and Ethereum Maxis, and um, they're having this ongoing debate and conversation And they're all freaking out about how the space has gone back five years plus. For me, I've been making the point that maybe you guys are going back four or five years, but what I see at Ripple, what I see at Stellar and some of these other companies that are building out real utility, they're not going anywhere. They're moving ahead. They're not part of that. They're not at your party, at your table doing that deal. What's your thought on kind of just the space freaking out right now, the collapse of it, I say yeah. purge out the bad actors purge out the people that are you know going to lose that didn't build real products didn't build real businesses what's your take on this it, it, you know all this freak out by by the the ogs in the space as they call them
1: yeah, there's two things to that. One, uh, I knew about the Shemitah and what the Shemitah creates, which if anyone doesn't know what the Shemitah is, it's a seven-year cycle practiced in Judaism. It used to be about ag- agriculture, but uh, in the past century, it's been mostly bank- about banking and about money and about restructuring debts and fall of empires, wars, geopolitical events, etc. And I'll just quickly summarize it to all the market crashes that we know of happened On Shemitah years, typically at the very end or slightly after. So, me and my community knew what to expect. You know, once we passed May of 2020, uh, 2022, sell in May, walk away, we just knew that there was going to be a ton of stuff to happen over the following year. And emphasis around September 26th with Rosh Hashanah and the following eclipses, which we just made it through that eclipse in November. So, the fact that we've been getting all of this stuff to kind of happen in this environment, You know, we knew that would happen. Now, I believe that we are in the year of the jubilee and we might touch that in a little bit, a little bit later. So part of my overall, my overall thesis and what I've shared with everyone is a supreme amount of patience because I personally would like a purge as well. And I've been very vocal about this. Even in my last red pill podcast that I put out, I showed everyone coin market cap with what, 26,000 cryptocurrencies or 21,000 crypto. This is nonsense. That all needs to go away. Um again, I, I don't like seeing companies fail. I don't like to, to hear about failure, but if it's not a working technology and it's just nonsense pump and dump, then what is it really, you know, worth? Um, taking up space in something that we want to become more mature, we want it to become more sophisticated. So one, a purge is necessary. In order for that to happen, we need an event. And uh, we have yet to have the real event. What just happened with Terra Luna and what happened with FTX, that's not the real event, guys. Like there's another thing coming and it's going to affect the whole world. It's going to affect all of, of the banking system and, and economics as a whole. That's what will actually speed up or expedite uh, what we're calling regulation or what comes to the second part of what I wanted to say, which is everything to do with the ISO 222 compliant coins. So for me, my overall investment thesis was one, be patient and wait for the shit coin market to drown and two, respond to it all with rebuilding my portfolio with uh, pretty much the ISO 222 compliant coins. And my focus has been on doing more analysis on them, Uh, even though not all those charts look so good. And you know, I'm a technical analyst, I'm a professional trader, and I'm a professional technical uh, analyst. So I don't love the chart of XLM, but I got to admit like it would be a safer place to bet on in regards to an investment and a long-term investment, regardless of the way the chart looks, Um, which I know as a technical analyst, that's not the safest game to play because you like to take into consideration like, oh, this this thing is clearly has some structural problems. And if it continues lower and it breaks some supports, it could really wash out. And we do have to be considerate of that regardless of our... uh, Awareness and understanding of the technology or the team behind it, or their, uh, or their uh, partnerships.
0: Right. Yeah. And so you mentioned Jubilee year. I wanted to get into the dates and time to start out this uh, session here, and this understanding of these different calendars. Uh, like you, like you're saying here, the Shemitah year was a big deal. And this, of course, we're talking about the uh, Judaism. We're talking about the the Hebrew calendar. So can you give us kind of the basic rundown of why this is important and why we should be watching and tapped into this calendar particularly?
1: Yeah, so I think the last um, seven-year cycle and the one before that, and let's just call it the last four or five of them are great examples. So we have the 2015 Chinese-Asian market uh, you know, debacle. Then we had the popular seven years before that it was the housing market crisis. Seven years before that, we had the dot-com bubble. Uh, seven years before that, we had the bond market crisis. Seven years before that, we had Black Monday, uh, New York Stock Exchange, and that also happened on an eclipse. <laughs> not only just the shemitah, but it happened after a shemitah ended and the eclipse. Um, so I've come up with a combination of like concepts here. It's that it's not only about the shemitah itself, which. Judaism or the, let's just call it the Hebrew calendar. What's special about it is it considers the lunar cycle as well. So it considers solar and lunar as opposed to the Gregorian calendar isn't focused on both. You feel me? So right. our calendar is fixed. Our new year is always January 1st, their new year, or when they celebrate Rosh Hashanah is moving, it's, it's moving around. And you sometimes even have it in early uh, October. Sometimes you have it in really early um august but that's super rare it's it's mostly in the month of september and um so yeah i've kind of figured out that the hebrew calendar plays a very big not only the hebrew calendar but the hebrew uh, holidays play a huge role in some of these big um volatile moves in the market not necessarily with just pivot points but like literally all-time highs and crashes right so it it added an extra layer so that it is more predictable and i could be a little bit more uh Dialed in with the execution of my trades and my overall investment thesis, and it and it does allow me to prepare myself for the for the um, for the future. So, getting back to the shemitah, it's a seven year cycle, and we just finished one in September of 2022. So it's over, but this is a special cycle because this was what I am. Uh, my research shows me that we are in the jubilee which a lot of even rabbis disagree with me on this, but I I really don't care. I do my own investment, you know, research, and I kind of have figured it out on my own. But I'm comparing this to the 1970s, the early 1970s, a similar environment. And um, I think even with the Nixon resignation and like kind of the buffoonery that was going on in politics back then, it's very similar to what we have here with the Biden, Biden administration. So, the long and short of it is the sh- the Shemitah is a seven-year cycle, and a Jubilee is seven cycles of seven Shemitah cycles. So it's 49 years, and on the 50th year, you practice what is called Jubilee. Jubilee, biblically, was actually a very positive thing. It was like giving back land to people it was confiscated from, uh, giving back debts, uh, and... <sighs> Some people, when they find this part of my work, they're confused because they think I'm like saying that the the Jews are doing it or something. And it's not, it's not, we're not talking about just regular people. We're talking about the entities that are controlling the market and the people who control the market are the, the people who print the money. The people who print the money control the market, the Federal Reserve, central banks, etc., And they have the power at any moment to completely do pretty much whatever they want, because they're not government entities at all. You know, they're sovereign operating on their own. They're a company, you know. The Federal Reserve is essentially just a a company, and uh, they have full blown power to do literally whatever they want. Hence, why all the wars we go to and 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 all of that. It's all about money. And um, this year is very special because if you go back to 1973 through 1975, you're going to see that we had a mini recession, and it created some issues in the rest of the world. We had super noticeable hyperinflation back then, um, and I think that environment is something we're reliving right now. And that was from September 27th of 2022. We just passed it and it will be going on all the way till September 15th of 2023. So my overall outlook is that by September, October of 2023, we will be seeing the bottom for the stock market, not the crypto market. The crypto market will be isolated from this because the crypto market is much faster it, it makes its moves much quicker it, it trades what an extra 33 percent of the year comparatively to the to the traditional markets so um yeah that kind of lays
0: out the idea of how the rest of this year uh, could go right right and, I, and and so this this is takes a lot of understanding and people get confused and then as you said you even have rabbis within the religion that are arguing amongst each other about Mm -hmm. how to interpret it too. So it gets very confusing and it does take a considerable amount of understanding for me. I've always been in a spot where I don't really worry about the why I'm just trying to figure out how do I understand Mm -hmm. this and how do I move in accordance with this? I don't care why they worship the moon, why they worship this. I, for me, it's been about how do I navigate uh, the market off of understanding uh, that they do that they do. And why do you think that we have why why have this uh why is this hidden this is forbidden knowledge that is not shared like why is nobody else talking about this learning about this uh not just on these dates and times but the astrology numerology and that part of it as well
1: you know like i say this quite often um Everything that I know, you could know. Everything that I know, every person who's listening to this right now, they could know. And what I'm about to say isn't to throw shade at anyone who's listening or you, of course, but I'm just going to speak what some people would call a red pill. <laughs> it's that humans um, humans are essentially distracted, right? Like We have all the knowledge and wisdom available to us, especially with computers, right? So there's nothing hidden. Honestly, there's really nothing hidden. It's just, we're all too distracted. We spend all of our time looking at bullshit on the internet. Like I'll just be real, right? Like we spend way too much time just killing time and we yeah. could be investing our time. So I decided over the past five years of my life to invest my time. Cause I learned that there's no savior. There's nobody coming to change my life. There's nobody that's going to knock on my forehead and say, Hey, Waters, here's some data. Here's some knowledge, you know, like you have to go get it you have to go seek it. And when you get it, then you have to like shut off your emotions for a moment. And you have to have feeling. And that's where intuition comes in, right? So I say this all the time in my work. Right now, humans have way too much emotion, but very little feeling. They're numb every time they get a feeling. Every time they get a feeling, they go to porn, they go to vaping, they go to smoking, you know, cigarettes, they go to looking at TikTok. It's like all of this numbing. So I decided to take the path that Yes. It's a little bit more calorically, uh, a little more caloric expenditure, (laughs) you know, like you have to put in a little more work, but um, it's not like I have access to books that you don't. It's not like I have access to some, you know, I have the same access and availability to knowledge, the same amount of hours in the day. And I think by exposing that, could motivate a lot of people to be like, oh shit, you know, he's actually telling the truth. Like I could decide how I'm going to use my time tomorrow. I could decide how I'm going to use my time after I listen to this podcast. And if you really are interested in something, you're really thirsty for that information, you'll see you'll seek it, you know, and this all comes back to purpose. I think a lot of people, they're lacking uh purpose and they want to have purpose. They want to have meaning. And you need to think of what purpose really is, which is something that you do in the present moment. And it has so much uh, energy that it provides you that everything else becomes static. Everything else becomes noise. When you're dialed into the flow state and you really are just in your craft, you're in your zone, you're not worried about the shit that's happening on Twitter. You're not worried about the shit that's happening in the outside world. You're focused on yourself. You're You're focused on serving your purpose. So that's what it is to me. I don't really think anything's hidden from people. I don't really think they're pulling the wooly over your eyes. People pull the wooly over their own eyes, bro.
0: I love that. That's that that's so that's it. That is it right there. And I, I saw a comment on TikTok here. It's funny you're you're knocking TikTok while I'm streaming on TikTok, but people need to understand. You can use the technology, you can use the platform for righteousness, for spreading your message, for benefit like for posit- spreading positive energy and knowledge or you use just it, be use it to feel on nonsense.
1: Yeah. Right? Use it to feel not to numb. That's it yeah. guys. You can use TikTok. You could use all of that shit. Right. I'm just saying it's feel like use it to feel stop using it to numb. Right. This is what happens to humans is like, we want to take something and we want to make it so black and white. It's not that it's so much. There's so much more to life, right? Like, so yeah, like water, water, it, we need it for life, right? But if I just keep drinking it and drinking it and drinking, I could kill myself. We love the water until it's flooding our house, right? So it's about balance. And I think humans are kind of losing our sense of balance because of the environment that we live in now with this ultra technocratic uh, kind of realm. So whatever i say you know always think of it it, it, like listen with your heart not your mind because sometimes your mind might get a little bit like oh damn he's saying something that offends me but it's like it's really not that you know and coming back to the tiktok thing i know that people are out there using it as a tool and there is many people that are using it as a weapon so just don't be one of those people you know like learn how to learn how to make it a tool instead of a weapon formed against you
0: and in regards to the knowledge it is just hidden in plain sight, meaning it's right there for us. It's just most people aren't seeking that out. Most people aren't. And then when they do, they don't have an open mind. So, what do you, the numbers have no meaning. <laughs> and, and time and time again, when you've deciphered this code and broken down the numerology, astrology, and all these connections and been able to predict dates where major events happen, right? It, you, you get to a point where it's like, how many coincidences can there be before this is mathematically impossible? Like, this is. Mm-hmm. The fabric and code of our reality and existence. So, like to your point, I, I just love your answer there. It's there, it's hidden in plain sight. And most people are distracted. And then, even when they come up to it, they don't really want to put in the work. They would r- rather listen to a, an influencer tell them what to invest in.
1: <laughs> I've had so much of that, and I've gotten to a point, and maybe you could, uh, maybe you resonate with this, but now I'm no longer trying to prove myself. I'm no longer trying to, uh, tell somebody that this is the truth. I'm just, I'm just sharing my truth with the world. You know, like here's my videos. If anyone wants to support my work further, there's opportunity for that. Like I'll let my work speak for itself. I'll let my solutions speak for your problems. Right. And if you don't want to take that for what it is, then how could I possibly, you know, like, so the thing is, is people who are thirsty will come up to you asking for water. And then they'll try to like logically rationalize why, you know, and that's what happens when people try to get into this crypto space and perhaps stumble upon my work. They're like, can you explain to me how it works? And I tell them and then they start becoming like super logically minded and, and all of this. It's like a hamster wheel you know, and they're, they're getting too caught up in the judgment and not enough on wanting to learn more about something. So like, if I could share any words of wisdom that breaks down what I just said in a, in a, with some more utility is when you don't know something or when you're interested or intrigued by something, instead of judging it, try to learn more about it, try to question and, and, and figure out what it's about. When you're confused, that's an opportunity for you. You know, not what most people do, which is they're confused, they get frustrated, and they immediately turn to just this aggressive, you know, reaction method of being judgmental. And instead of reacting, you know, respond. And I think that's going to provide you with so much because here's the thing, right? Most people are not bad at asking questions or seeking uh, information. It's that they ask the wrong questions. And then when they come across information, they pile up the information. They want to listen to 50 people's truth all at the same time. They open up their laptop. They have 16 tabs open with all these different people telling them about all this stuff. And it's like, they don't know how to just focus. You know, they're, they're too, it's too much. It's an information overload. And they're inundated with data. So you as a person who's trying to grow, who's trying to improve, you really need to know how to access intuition and and who you resonate with. Like the reason you're on Zach's channel and you subscribe to him is because you resonate with him. Like at the end of the day, like you trust him, you feel safe when he shares the information with you and and it vibes with you, right? And I think what happens sometimes is they don't know how to really access that. They're too caught up in the, you know, the being told how to be and being told what the truth is and having, look, I have the Lamborghini. So, so I must know the the answers, you know, and that kind of stuff. And, and that's what influencers play on most of the time they play on stuff like that, like keeping you emotionally invested in them rather than becoming self-reliant and, and learning from people.
0: Now bringing it back to this knowledge, to these studies, the dates, the times, and then we're going to get into astrology and numerology. Is it, if we just simplified this for everyone out there trying to understand this, why it's so important, let's, let's call them the market maker magicians. The people that are trying to manipulate our reality and control humanity are using different calendars. They uh, are, are tapped into astrology. They are understanding numerology. Is that kind of the, the simplified version of why we should take a look at this? Is because those, I don't want to say above us, Right, but, but those that are trying to manipulate our reality are, are using this, are uh, working within uh, those dates, uh, within those calendars, and using that numerology and astrology uh, in, in the way that they manipulate us in our reality.
1: Yeah, there's two things. One, there's a playbook, and I would consider that these calendrical systems are playbooks. And two, um, the entire economy is fake it's all just fiat it's like a make believe monopoly money so the only way to make it seem realistic is to have moments of depression moments of recession so they implement fake crashes just like they created false all-time highs like think about the last 2 years in the market ever since you know the big event that happened where we just saw the Fed printing all this money and injecting all this liquidity into the market and admitting it, you know, the entire money supply uh, from since the federal reserve was created in 1913 throughout 2019 was printed in the single year of what 2020, right? That's just fake. They could just do whatever they want. They could walk up to a computer and create a trillion dollars in a keystroke. So because this market is fake, you know, they're it all, it's like all things go. And there is no rhyme or reason for it. And that is why you have the playbook. And that playbook is when they release the energy or when they invite the energy in. And that's what Shemitah actually means. Shemitah in Hebrew means release. And it has everything to do with Saturn. And Saturn is father time. I don't want to get too esoteric, but I'm answering your question. You know, I am trying to answer your question in a way that provides as much value as possible. But Saturn is the, uh, he holds the scythe. And he has everything to do with harvest, right? He's the god of harvest. So it's like he comes and collects. And how coincidental is it that he comes and collects at all these crashes? You know, like it's all just their playbook. So I would I would go quickly and say that it's not just the Hebrew calendar, it could be some like the Celtics, they have a calendrical system that they're using, like you know, in bulk and midsummer and sawin and you know, everything that you're told in the Gregorian calendar as a holiday is not original. That is just a plagiarized version of some like childlike concept that they've shared with you for uh, keeping the economy propped up. But those are all ritual holidays that go back to the sun and moon and the movement of, you know, the, the cosmos. So, It's all coming back to the sky. It's all coming back to astrology. And if you start to look into paganism or you look into Babylonian or Egyptian or any of that stuff, it all is more alike than it is different. So I would say that the calendar uh, that is the real calendars, the ones that are dealing with both the sun and the moon, they are providing you with the playbook. And the numbers are given to you through the Bible. The Bible literally tells you about the Shemitah, it tells you about the seven cycles of seven, it talks about Jubilee. Like they gave you all this stuff to thousands of years ago. This is not new. So their playbook is just the rule system. You understand? And humans just don't see the rule system because we're listening to CNN and CNBC and. They're listening to Kramer scream at them. You know, they're not actually paying attention to the the calendrical systems. And that's what makes this stuff so easy for me is I'm completely away from the distractions of the news and I'm, my head's in the esoteric knowledge, but it, it's right there on Wikipedia for free. It takes right. two seconds to look up
0: now. Um, yeah. And, 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 um, sorry, I lost my train of thought here. What was I going to say? What were you just talking about? Um,
1: Yeah, I was basically saying how there's two things going on at play. One, the economy is completely fake and make believe and they just print money however they would like. They suppress everything that has true value and then they allow moments or phases in time to hyperinflate things of value like the housing market was over the past year while silver is still sitting at 20 bucks. We all know that's a charade. So they're doing what they do systematically, but if you look at why silver has its all-time highs, when it has its all-time highs, that's going to answer all your questions for you. You look at the price of silver of its all-time high, that's going to answer the questions for you. This whole market runs on a code, and this is where it starts to get really exciting for me. I, I believe in people who are interested in my work. Because, you know, now you can see why things are suppressed, why things hit these specific prices. It's not coincidence, uh, as you mentioned earlier.
0: Right. Yeah. Now, I remember what I wanted to ask you, since you briefly mentioned it, I wanted to get your thoughts, uh, quick thoughts on what is the Bible in in your understanding? (laughs) Let's offend uh, some people Uh, or or Uh, they can just receive your opinion. One man's opinion and yeah. understanding yeah you know i mean
1: honestly the okay so the bible originates from the codex vaticanus and this is really important to know because a lot of people when they start learning about christianity and perhaps they become born again or they start taking on this idea that christ is their lord and savior which by the way i'm not trolling on these people like some of these people are beautiful like very good humans right like they mean well they, they just need something to follow but with that being said the same individuals that talk that talk, they also talk about the Cabal and, you know, they talk about the Vatican and what the Vatican's up to anyone who knows about finances or, you know, about the society of Jesus, the Jesuit order, you know, about the Switzerland and their role in the banking system, bro, you're going to figure out that the Vatican is like a pretty dark entity, but yet your Bible comes from their (laughs) institution. So how are you going to, you know, and very few Christians know what I just said. They don't know about the codex Vaticanus. So this is important that people realize, you know, the Dead Sea Scrolls and all of that, this is all just plagiarized material that goes back to Sumerian times. Every single religion that came, sun religion, by the way, that came before the the Bible and this idea of of Christ, which again, you know, if people don't know anything about Christianity and the implementation of it throughout the world has everything to do with uh, the Roman Holy Roman empire, Julius Caesar, Julius Caesar straight up was calling himself Jesus Christ. And that's where that all comes from. Then the picture you see of Jesus Christ is the son of a Pope. His name is Caesar Borgia that's not Jesus. That's just a dude who is a family member of a Pope. All right. So there's a lot of, lot of things that I could say. I don't know if you want me to keep going,
0: but you know, it's, who, who it's fraudulent Je- and it, yeah, yeah. And yeah. no, I, I like it. I, I like going where, where people, you know, I, I think most people are afraid to go to some of these places and mm-hmm. have conversations. So um, in your opinion, uh, your understanding, who was Jesus? Jesus was a make-believe character. Uh, for
1: 300 years before we had the picture of Caesar Borgia, Jesus was a baby and that baby was Eros. And this comes from Greek mythology. He was baby Jesus for 300 years, by the way. So again, this, you know, Eros was Cupid, what we use the symbol of Valentine's day. And uh, that Eros is where we get the root word for eroticism. This is pretty, pretty rough, dude. Like the path that this goes on. So all Jesus is, is Horus or Jesus could be Apollo? It's all going back to mythology. He is the daylight. He is the morning star. So he is the the crown. He's the he's the king, the Christ, <clears throat> and that's really a, a role. Okay, it's like a it's a title, like a pope or a king. That's what a Christ is. So a Christ is an ascended master of the new age. And there was ascended masters of the Eastern world. There's ascended masters of the Western world. So a Christ is just an ascended master. It's a being that has transcended the matrix, the simulacrum. It's a, it's a highly enlightened wise individual who can tap into the spirit and soul of man with his words, with his action or her actions. It's not necessarily just a, a male, um, and that's another big problem with this whole story is they leverage it on this masculine polarity. They, they've always been trying to brainwash humans to believe that if there's this supreme leader, whether that's God, as you know it, or whether that's the Christ or, you know, this leadership role, that's the son of the God, the, the living flesh of the God, they always make it a dude. And it's like, okay, well, you see the, you see the protocol here, right? Like, there's phases. There was a phase where we were in a masculine energy and there's a phase where we were in a, we were in a feminine energy and we are moving right now through this age. They, they call it the movement into the age of Aquarius. That's all irrelevant. All that matters is the polarity shift. So we're moving away from religion. The world is, is moving into like this transhumanism, kind of like very weird technocratic, you know, like we're gender and and uh, roles are getting reversed. And this is all part of it. So there was a Christ-like being back in the day who was a hermaphrodite. That's literally where we get the, the the term, you know, Hermes is Mercury and Aphrodite. So Hermes and Aphrodite being together is hermaphrodite. That's where we get that term from. It's a merger. It's a merger of the polarities in a being. And it all goes back to mythology and mythology is important guys, because if you want to learn about astrology and you want to bypass your mythologies, you're going to make some, some pretty awful, like you're basically building a bad foundation. It's like getting into investing and not knowing about dollar cost averaging. So the last thing I'll say, the final thing is that whenever you hear these celebrities, these elites, these people in the world that are talking about Jesus, they're talking about Jupiter. Jupiter is very important in this story. Because remember, I was talking about the Shemitah. The Shemitah is the year of Saturn. Seven is the number that symbolizes Saturn. A lot of the worship that happens in this world by these upper level beings is Saturn worship, even in Judaism. And I'm not trying to throw shade at Judaism, but in Judaism, they practice the Sabbath day is their day of rest. It's the day they don't work, the day that they don't communicate about work. The, uh, hasidim, they wrap this uh telephon i forgot the name of it but they wrap it around their arm and then it it p- comes up to their head and it's literally a cube that they put on their pineal gland i mean dude this is all saturn ritual stuff and and a lot of people don't even know what they're doing but that black cube at mecca the kaaba that's a saturn that's saturn uh, aesthetic typical saturn aesthetic um, and if you look at Saturn, whether that's the picture that NASA gives you or the the real the real imagery, you know, you're gonna see that cube, that cube of Saturn. So where I'm going with all of this, and we're where I'll wrap it all up, is in the mythology, Saturn gets defeated by who? By Jupiter. And when Jupiter, when Zeus beats his father, he becomes the king of the gods. So the king of the gods, the king of kings, the Alpha and Omega is Jesus. That's all it is, but it's it's about an age when we enter the new age. When we entered the Piscean age, we became the age of Jesus. <laughs> and by the way, this is a very bloody and like murderous and war torn age. This is a very um, seriously tormented and dark uh, time. Uh, and I'm just being honest with everyone. And I think you know my opinion aside it, it's proven through the way we treat each other and the actual wars that we've had. We have places on this earth right now that have like no compassion for humanity. Yeah, and that's this age. That's the age that we're leaving. We are leaving that age right now. and that's why we're seeing at this transit point so much wisdom and enlightenment is entering humans because we're in that transit.
0: Yeah, I wanted to get your thoughts on that. And I appreciate how deep you went there because I want people to understand how far the deception goes into everything. The the whole reality here is we understand it. So much of it is based off lies and deception. And it's up to us to unemotionally break through that and to be able to decode this reality and have somewhat of an understanding of uh, what's actually going on around us. Now, let's tie this in. Where does this tie into the world? Let's let's call it the World War events that are taking place, the battles over pieces of land. Where where does mm-hmm. this tie into that during this time?
1: Well, yeah, I mean the Shemitah has always played a role in these wars for sure. I mean, if you go back to the, the if you keep going backwards, you could see that 1944 was a Shemitah year. 1937 was a shemitah year, and that was all kind of centered around what we're calling World War II. And World War II was a pivotal time frame in this whole globalist regime that the socialists pulled off, and it's the system that they implemented. So, if you just take technology and put the technology aside, pretty much the entire protocol that we're living through today was a chess game that was finished in 1944. So the Shemitah between 37 and the one Insta-44, that was the one that they implemented this bullshit that, we're, sorry, this stuff that we're dealing with right now, where they've doubled the uh, the cost of living, they've taxed both people in the house, both the woman and the male, they've decided to come out with a fully controlled government-ran education system, the doctoral system, the mortgage, I mean, all of this mess. Is all about those two Shemitahs back to back. And they were critical because one was the starting point of this ritual that they did. And then the other one was the relieving of the ritual. And I've been saying this for a while, and some people um, still don't uh, really understand where I'm going with this. But I've been calling America the Garden of Eden, where if we look at the whole world over the past century, maybe even two centuries, America is like given the, you know, we're like a safe zone for a lot of this craziness that could happen in this realm. And the development of America might be in its final days, like we might be at a point now where that development and the infrastructure and some of the smart cities and all that uh, stuff is about to be pulled off in other places more so. And it might make people believe that there's better life somewhere else. But trust me, the idea of socialism as we know it, It is, it's going to be way less in America than it will be in the rest of the world. America will be the last place that will, it'll be like the last domino to fall. Now, it doesn't need to happen. (laughs) Humans could like wake up, you know, and decide uh, freedom. That is the ultimate choice. But the thing is, is that people become too reliant on systems. So this is where it comes full circle coming back to the last war. In 1937 and 1944, they needed to disrupt everyone's traditional system, the traditional family structure, the values that people had around work balance and life balance. They knew what they were doing with that event. And that's why after that, uh, Shemitah of 1944, what they implemented was a completely new day-to-day life. They wanted to do that um, because that's one of the tenets of like Bolshevism, of socialism, is to have these two things, and then I think that'll mostly answer your question. One of them is have children, and children are everything, right? Because that's where you start the learning, that's where you develop the, the consciousness of the adult later on in life. Take the children and put them in a position where they don't believe in the values and teachings of their family. They believe in the value and the teachings of their state, That's number one, have them believe that the truth comes from their fucking school, not from their mothers and fathers. If you could pull that off, boom, you've already like started the the parasitic process of man's consciousness. Then number two is to have the work and life balance be disoriented. Have women start wanting to chase high level careers so that their motherly, like, you know, intuition and and role, their polarity becomes distorted and then have men be, you know, like basically you could send them off to war and they would love to go kill for them. You know, this type of like barbaric energy of like really overly competitive and perhaps competitive in a way that'll start to damage their family structure. Um, they'll decide work over being a good father, for instance. They'll decide work over playing with their children or teaching their children. And when you take both parents and you remove them from the household structure for work, then the kids have to go to school. They're getting indoctrinated in the in the indoctrination camps, right? So you're just this, these two things combined, um, you add that up to where we are today. And it's, that's what's pretty much created all the, all these issues. And that goes back to the last war, the last world war we had.
0: Right, right. Now it's, it's back again. Um, what I've noticed, I came across in my work was a war cycle. It's, you know, obviously, there's wars in between. Um, but specifically here in America, if you look, every 80 years, we've been in a major war, war, World War II, World War I, and then the revolution here in the United States. And so that's going to be an interesting cycle that's here, it's present. Now, I wanted to bring in a couple of the other actors, the chosen actors, the uh, flavor of the day. Uh, Or he's the worst man ever. Uh, So many emotional feelings about another actor on the world stage comes about when we bring about Donald Trump and Elon Musk. I wanted to get your take. What role is Donald Trump playing in this uh, chessboard? That's a very good question. Um,
1: I look at it like it's not just about him. It's about what came before him and the environment we have before him. And it's the immediate environment we have after him, which is what we're living in today. So it's, a, it's always working in like a trinity, if you will. And if you look at the president after president after president, and you kind of take a zoom out from where you are in America to looking at the rest of the world and how the world reacted to American politics, there was no time more where there was more uh, drama and theater and negative uh, negativity. And another great word I like to use is um, separation and like that ability to take people and create division than in Donald Trump's uh, four years. So I look at that move, that chess move by the the globalists. It was very systematic to go from the environment we had before him, which was horrible, by the way, like drone bombing the middle east like no one wanted to talk about that stuff they wanted to just throw it under the rug because of the character that was playing that role at the time was like an uh, a chosen one in his own way you know like and you couldn't say anything negative um it's funny too by the way just to show you my humor i used to do this thing all the time with people like when i would i would walk in a room and the first thing i would say is something negative about barack obama <laughs> just to see how people would feel. And it would immediately, you know what I'm saying? Like, it would be like, if you walked in a room with a make America great again, hat. like, you're just going to take the whole room's frequency and start to like, you know, it's going to shake. And, uh, Anyways, just a joke, but with tr- with Trump leading into Biden, this was a move to create the most amount of division as humanly possible, uh, not only in our own country but in the globe. And I have a little bit of firsthand experience with this because I lived in um, Australia during the last year of um, Donald Trump, like right before we had uh, you know the the sickness event. And anyways, during that time, uh, I was at work in Melbourne, Australia, and people were talking about Donald Trump at the job. Like they weren't talking about their own prime minister. They didn't have any energy to give to that, uh, their local government. All they wanted to talk about was Donald Trump and his antics. So I think what he was, was one of his supreme moves on the chessboard. And it wasn't him consciously that did this. I think this was a very systematic move from, from people way above him. It was to create a mass distraction for a lot of people, to get people focused on his antics. You know, it's similar to this Kanye West character today getting people to just put so much of an investment and an opinion into this other guy, everything, but yourself and your own life and your own business and your own family. As long as you're just given the, 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 the little dopamine hit of a quotable moment that, you know, adds some drama. And uh, that's kind of the same vibe that I think uh, we got with Trump. Like he was just a very charismatic and outspoken. And he had his, he had his bloopers but where this comes full circle and where I leverage off of that, that point is it created that amazing division with the liberal conservative, you know, back and forth that became so much so divided and with liberals with their with their own agendas, which are mostly cloaked in socialism, uh, removing identity from humans and going, Uh, removing the true identity of a being which has to deal with their skills and their personality and their what they offer to society and it became about this new identity of things like your pronoun you know like just taking it in a totally different direction
0: yeah yeah
1: now now what happened was when we shifted into biden their supreme overlord the liberal supreme overlord is somebody who can't even speak full sentences so he's He's like the classic, he's worse than, what's his name, than Bush Jr. Like, Bush Jr. was funny, like super funny, at least. He did make me like laugh. this. Yeah, this dude right now, he, he's like sad. Like, you know when you watch a, a sad grandpa? Like, I'm like sad when I listen to this guy if I ever get sent videos because I'm like, I could feel that he's barely alive, you know? He's like a zombie. So, exoterically, I think what it created was make people hate Trump so much on that side of things and then these people have something to prove now because if you dislike him so much then he must be saying the truth he must be doing something real he must be doing something for freedom you feel where I'm going with this yeah. so what that created was that exacerbated that QAnon movement and all of what was going on with that and it did a great job because that was a psyop to get people ultra conspiratorial and like beyond uh hell like a healthy level of conspiracy, like they started going down rabbit holes that started to destroy their lives, and I know this because I had plenty of people hiring me, private clients, consultation calls during trump's uh final days, and they just wanted to talk with me about my opinion on a theory they have learned from Charlie Ward, and I'm like, dude guys, like you're not even living your life anymore like you're you barely talk with your kids, your whole family's falling apart because you believe in some like you know, moment where every one of these uh, so-called elites are going to go to Guantanamo Bay. Because that's what you, you know what I'm saying, right? So it's the technology of belief. They got that group of people completely just d- disoriented and 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 sucked down that rabbit hole. Then when the new guy comes in power, he looks like a buffoon and he makes the leadership of that cult look like a buffoon now. So if you're somebody who was on that liberal train you look like an idiot because you support somebody who could barely talk more uh, accurately than like a fifth grader. So it's like, they wanted to create this, this, like, look at how stupid you guys are for caring about this in the first place. Like, I think the global elite wanted to wake us up through having these past three presidents in the sequence they gave them to us. They wanted us to see how, how ridiculous it was in the first place to even give them our prana and they did it with Boris Johnson. They did. They gave the whole world buffoonery at the highest level all at the same time, right? And it was obvious. They were like carbon copy retards of each other that they just spread around the world and were like, here, make these people be the leadership. And they do that on purpose because they want people to see like, It's like an experiment. You feel me? Like, it's like literally a human experiment of consciousness. And it's pretty obvious now that it worked out that way because all the people that I know that were really liberal, they don't have a thing to say anymore. They're quiet. And then all the QAnon people, they don't have a thing to say. They're quiet. So it's like, look at the result. They're very
0: frustrated too, because I've been there. I, I went down those rabbit holes with them. I was looking at the next date. I was looking at, Oh, something has to be done. And here we are uh, at the end of 2022 and seemingly nothing has happened. Um, But then we did get his announced that that he is coming back and people were expecting more. Now, now people are disappointed from his announcement yesterday that um, he didn't announce more. They were expecting more. And uh, he he basically just said that, you know, he's going to, Uh, He's announcing his run, coming back to power, but he himself uh, called it one of the most important days in the history of our country. And I think for for me, the deeper meaning there is that tomorrow wasn't, or yesterday when he announced his his run, that wasn't the day that events were going to play out. But it is part of what is going to be one of the most important uh, moments in time for America, because like you said, they set this whole damn thing up they gave us Trump to to save us from what was going on the previous eight years. Right. They gave us Trump. He gave a lot of people hope. We liked what he was saying. He brought jobs back to America. The, the numbers looked good only to have it yeah, taken on paper. back. Sorry. What was that? I just said on paper. Yeah. On, on paper. Right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> and then the events of 2020 allowed him to rewrite the whole rules and, mm-hmm. and, and just, um, he took control of the fed and treasury and, and, um, he, he basically ushered in part of um, the reset and restructuring right? with that. But then, uh, as you said, we get President Joe Biden stepping in here. They swing it back completely to the other way. Through all of this distraction, all of this mess, one thing that I've been trying to make clear with my community is that I started my first business before Trump came in, and I'm still running this same business after he's gone. And I'm going to be running the same business when, when he comes back. And my situation is the way it is because of the actions I've taken, not because mm-hmm. daddy Trump did this for me. He, he's mm-hmm. not paying the bills. He's not uh, running the business, starting the business, starting the side hustle, helping me come up with my investment thesis. So I think that, like you said, so many people are giving their attention today. Trump, you got Elon, you got Kanye. And whether you're offended by them or whether you think they are the savior and that you need to sit back and do nothing, it puts everybody in the same position where they're not taking action. That seems like that's kind of what you're seeing as well.
1: That's 100% what I tell people, like when there was that transition of power between Trump and Biden and all of the people in the QAnon side of things were like, don't worry, he's coming back. You know, the whole time I was preaching the same thing on my live streams, which was until I wake up and Joe Biden is like making me a cup of coffee or paying my electric bill or like taking me, driving me to the gym, he's irrelevant in my life. Yeah, like facts until he's answering emails for me or helping until he becomes my secretary. I really don't care. he's irrelevant. I care about people in my real life. We're
0: giving them our power.
1: 100%. They have no power. They're they're skillless, talentless beings, including Donald Trump. They have zero skill. Their only uh, power that they have is the humans believing in their power. It's the illusion of their power that keeps them in position. And they feed off of our prana like a like a battery like if you think about what's going on here, this whole world, especially when you talk about politics, you're talking about an energy harvesting experiment. That's all it is. It's it's give me your attention. And humans have made it easy. So they're like, Oh, beautiful. We don't even need to try. Now we just gotta put a little phone inside of their pocket and we could give them, we could steal their energy all day. It's free of charge. Gratis, you know? So my my whole message to my community is like. And that's a lot about what I speak on in my, in my recent uh, expansion mastermind courses, like just focus on yourself, serve your purpose. Don't be used as a servant for somebody else's purpose.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Okay. Uh, I just realized how long we've been going. So I do want to keep it moving. Um, <laughs> it's, it's all good, brother. We have some time. I'm, I'm pretty free for the moment. So we're good. Yeah. I, I appreciate it. So I wanted to then, let's move into how, well, we, we understand how well they've primed everyone, they got everyone distracted, and they've got this thing so set up where they are harvesting our energy, all of our emotion. And they're setting us up to usher in that solution, which is that CBDC solution, the removal of mm-hmm. cash and the removal of privacy and security how far will they able to will they be able to go with this agenda twenty thirty CBDCs social credit score? I I always note that the country that I won't name over over in uh, over there that starts with a C, they are a model country well ahead of the rest of the planet, as far as that system goes, as far as that agenda goes. But how yeah. far do you think it's going to go in the West and across the whole planet? I know you mentioned that the United States is going to be one of the last countries to adopt socialism to, to kind of let this go through. But let's expand on that. How far do you think they're going to be able to go with this?
1: Yeah, so I kind of look at, agenda 2030 the way that it was given to us popularly a little bit like a sigh up like they gave it to us very far in advance and a lot of the machinations of what agenda 2030 is is a little bit like psychological operation but what i will say like what you just brought up before about that country is the the gr- the groundwork is like taken it's done like you know the carpet has been rolled out family like they have the infrastructure prepared they could flip these cbdc's on fucking tomorrow okay that's that's a fact what they need to worry about is human reaction like how will we behave if they were to do such a thing so they know the consciousness of the people in the local environment and like a couple of the countries we can talk about and this is part of my grand theory on the idea of cbdc's and the rollout of digital currencies is scandinavia like They are going to roll it out there probably first, actually. Like, I mean, when we're talking about the non-controlled, non-highly socialist, they're socialist in their way, but not nearly as much as a dictatorship. So the bigger point here is that they're going to do it in like Finland or Sweden or Denmark, and then it's going to be dope. It's going to work out so well because those people are already cool with that stuff and they're tiny populations, et cetera. And they have like one city and and everything else is just pine trees. (laughs) And then they're going to show you that as the model. system. that's going to be the actual model society for the rest of Europe and for Canada and for Australia, New Zealand, America, Mexico, et cetera. And that's how they're going to pull it off. They're going to be like, look at how happy these people are. Mm -hmm. Look at them go, you know? And then they're going to do it in like one, like really uh, highly, I'll just say Japan. Like, I think they'll roll it out in a place like Japan first, because that's an environment where it's like super high population density. Lots of people that all respect each other's personal space. They, they would like cave in pretty quickly to this and their mark, their markets are horrendous. Like their housing market system is really, really propped up lots of debt. They're struggling financially, even though they're a highly advanced nation and they're super technologically advanced more so than probably any nation on earth. Uh, Sands, perhaps a place like maybe Dubai, or I don't know. But the bigger point here is that they will launch it, uh, like, in a stair step pattern, they start with some nations, they have something to show you guys, then they'll pull it off in like one place that doesn't really want to do it. And then they'll figure out a way to like mask it all up with the way they always do with media. And they'll just slow roll it out as they need to. Um, But they need to, unfortunately, guys use war as one of their main methods like that is how they've always come to conclusion on a new system they don't do it without bloodshed and uh ritual sacrifice like i'm sorry to say that but it's just the facts you know so if you look at any of these times in history where we've had a change of uh uh world reserve currency it wasn't done peacefully <laughs> you know like it's done because of a serious uh war that could that could span a decade um well, and like i don't believe two- years yeah, right. Right. So I see that there's going to be a, a new type of war that they're going to play out, though, which is kind of the 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 war on spirituality and consciousness, but then also com- combined with um, poverty, like just imposing these insane hyperinflative events on people, making food difficult to um, access. They're going to make energy way through the roof. Oil is going to be more. So they're going to push people into a position where it's going to be like the EBT environment, you know, where it's like, oh, I don't have any money to pay for my children's uh, diapers anymore. I need to get food instead. Like they start compromising. And you know what that leads to, right? That leads to crime. So once people start getting into that, that's but the 1970s was like that man people were lining up at gas stations to get gas like it was it was pretty 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 bad i think gotcha. this winter time we're going to see a little bit of that unfold
0: so actually it's funny target actually just reported that they had 400 million dollars worth of merchandise stolen from them in quarter 3 uh like rob- and- robberies from people coming in just stealing from their store correct wow 400 million And they want to say that we're not in a recession yet, you know? And and so that's why it's laughable. And they're setting up everyone for failure. And I think to your point, so many people underestimate what people are willing to accept and go along with. And if you weren't paying attention over the last two years, they got half the population, give or take, to just go right along with it. Sign me up. correct? You know, you, you know, and so. Uh, They want to say that, oh, they'll never be able to get this through, you know, uh, especially in the United States. Well, look at how far we've gone, right? They've already gone so far and they've already gotten so many people. Um, So to your point, I think that when we look at the different crises, the recession and other events that could be on the horizon, that's going to be the perfect ushering in of that CBDC. And people are going to be desperate. It's it's, It's a tough time out there on the streets a lot of people. And, and so I think that people underestimate what what they're going to be able to push through. Now, the other thing that you mentioned, we just got the announcement that they're going to be piloting a digital dollar for the next 12 weeks. And we get mm-hmm. the uh, uh, people trying to figure out the ISO dates. Like, okay, they were going to go live in November. Now it's going to get stalled till next year. This mm-hmm. organization is going to wait till next year, November. People are so confused. And I've been making the point, guys, this is already ready to go. And many people missed it. In August, all of the SWIFT members had the option to opt into ISO compliant messages. So all of the, okay, they're pushing it back till next year. Okay, we're going to start to roll it out this year. Uh, The digital dollar test for 12 weeks. That's all a distraction, right? To your point, they could launch a CBDC today. It's already ready to go. They just yep. got a primus for that rollout. Yeah. They have to be very cautious and
1: selective about the nations that they do it with. Like if, if that, if the sea country wants to go ahead and do what they got to do, like they can implement CBDC in Taiwan or whatever, super quick, you know, like however they want to do it as a control mechanism to keep their, you know, to, cause that's how they use military. It's always for pushing force. And, and, and I think there is nothing more of a death grip than, uh, preventing trade routes, preventing the access to food, you know, that's the kind of stuff that they use. It's a dirty tactic of war. But I think that's a thing that you you already got primed for with what happened with Russia. They already started talking about that, about cutting off supply lines, doing this, that, and the third. They're building these narratives. And then that way they can get it in the public sphere. They could get, have, have people talking about it. And then this is how they leverage on the attention that we give to it and the drama that we, you know, start to build together on Twitter and all these other platforms. And then they have their like, oh, well, we'll just do it. And the people will say, oh, of course they did it. And then they'll just go back to their normal lives. You know, like things like blockchain and uh, crypto for the longest time, I think probably up until quite recently, most people believed was like a thing about freedom. And I think some people still kind of hold on to a little bit of that idea that it's uh, it's about freedom. And um, I know why people feel that way. Like, I get the mechanism of hope here. And I'm not here to say that it's all doom and gloom. But please understand that this was designed by government from the day it was released. Like, Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, that's a classic example of of an intelligence uh, instrument. It's like literally an instrument of intelligence and now that we're seeing the way that people like Vitalik and even Ripple the highest people in that company they're all tied to government they're all tied to global banking you think these people are on your side like banks have never been on your side they make money off of selling you money <laughs> like that's what a bank is these people don't care about your portfolio they don't care about you becoming rich like so There's so many psyops that get developed off of all of this. And I don't think people see clearly as to what's actually happening That's why for me, my investment thesis with a thing like Ripple or any of the ISO 222 coins is, yeah, I got a long-term bag. But you best believe when I start seeing it get overbought on the chart, I'm I'm de-risking. Because when they want to quote-unquote flip the switch... I mean it's going to be it's going to be a wild time and however it all f- unfolds like I don't think it's going to be as easy to take profits as some people might believe like they're going to make it they're going to make it difficult for people and that goes for XRP holders that goes for Bitcoin holders that goes for people with anything this environment we're in right now is showing you uh the um the cracks you know and the the little uh, the fissures in the system and it's not going to get any easier, you know, unless you learn, unless you learn how to protect yourself and and make decisions that are um, best for you. But the quick answer and the quick uh, response to all of this is that there's a lot of change that's coming and they're going to leverage on human behavior and the algorithm of social media, like particularly uh, to know what, what geographical regions they could execute. And we know that there's some nations that are way easier to execute than others. America is quite difficult, especially in a place like Texas. But if you go to a place like Manhattan, New York city, or you go to Los Angeles, it's a lot easier to pull off some highly socialist uh, chess move.
0: Yeah. And in regards to kind of the, the algorithms, the media, the Twitter and everyone kind of building drama around a case, we, we definitely got to touch uh, a little bit more on XRP. Now, Um, I want to thank you because for me, when I came across your work and your understanding and and what you were breaking out on your channel about how we, what I was using numerology and Gematria for before was trying to decode all these riddles and figure out when the flip of the switch date was for XRP. Then I came across your work and you specifically woke me up to this fact of it's not there. It's not there in the technical analysis. And could it? Uh, could they surprise us one day and it happens? Well, then, okay, that's great. We've positioned accordingly. That's fun. But it's not there from the technical analysis. And this is the most manipulated asset class in the world, in my opinion, cryptocurrency. And XRP is a chosen asset uh, for the most amount of manipulation. So can you speak uh, on, on that point, on how they've used XRP uh? to manipulate people, to manipulate the XRP community. And then let's talk about how this story does end. And um, I I love the point that you make there about how we might not be able to exit our positions when we even want to. You know, even trying to do the responsible thing and trying to take some chips off the table. I've long said, I am not expecting these exchanges to get my sell order to go through when XRP does have a moment. XRP's moment is going to be the fireworks going off and the exchanges will be shut down. There there won't be liquidity. They're not going to have the orders going through. If I'm able to get my transaction to go through, that'll be fun and great. But I've always been yeah. in the camp that this thing's going to be shaky as hell when that moment happens. So let's, let's get your uh, thoughts on this XRP story, how it ends.
1: Yeah, well, I think you made a good point. And remember what I was telling you before about the years of Trump and how the QAnon movement developed through that? And they started talking about like draining the swamp and the the, you know, all of those things that were going on like highly conspiratorial level things. And it was all about the future, the, the, it's going to happen, trust in the process, kind of that, that energy and that vibe. Well, when people started bringing to me, because again, like as a leader in the space, people are coming to me with these like Riddlers, you know, these people that like, it's like a bear that's like red and like, it's like all this, you know, Christmas, uh, stocking has a number on it. And they're trying to tell me that. And I'm like, you guys are, you guys are doing a very similar thing that we watched the QAnon community community do. Like it was like this always based on the good. It's always based on the positive. Okay. When I'll teach everyone something right now, when you decode, stop decoding for positivity, stop decoding for negativity, decode. Okay. Decoding doesn't involve your, your uh, hope. Okay. It, it needs a clear mind. It needs you to be away from this hope mechanism, because that is what makes people bad decoders. And ultimately that's what makes people bad investors. So getting back to the bigger point here is that I saw so much of that, like Riddler energy coming from the XRP community. And those believe it or not, were the people that were the most judgmental of my work that had the most negative things to say about my work. And, um, I think the last couple of like Riddler thing. I forgot the name of the person, by the way. So I'm really sorry if I, I think it's like Mr. Pool or I don't know, yeah. but it was this individual that's like, yeah, yeah. And uh, they're anonymous and this, that, and the third and, I got so many people sharing that with me and a lot of people were upset with me because I was not decoding it. I was deciding to not pay attention to it. I was purposefully just disregarding it and let it be what it is because I knew that I already had my own system. My system worked. My system provided me results. My system changed my life. My system allowed me to go from not having. Uh, I lost my first my my first business coming back from America, my e-commerce business. Then I lost my second one. Then I started trading. This is all before my YouTube uh, thing going. And then I was trading XRP on leverage with Bitcoin, and I learned my system. I implemented my system for trading, and I became financially free from that before I even had clients. And I was getting my clients through showing them my results on my trading system. Okay. So I was just trading this zigzaggy, pumpy, dumpy XRP for the longest before I even had any desire to really, really share this with the public, because I wanted to do it for myself first. So if I was going to flip my whole, uh, all of my, <laughs> how do I say, if uh, if it's working, like if it's not broke, don't fix it kind of deal, right? Like If right. I already had that working for me, why am I going to switch up and just disregard all of that because of XRP 589? I would be, I would be stupid, right? Like if you're, if you're already figuring something out and you have something that's working for you and it's really working for you and helping other people, then don't, don't switch up, like stick to your plan and trade your plan. So disregarding that for the longest time and seeing the energy behind the XRP army, I think I could call them. Those people taught me so much about where retail investors really are, you know, because some of them woke up, joined my community and they were like, I used to Of throw shade, I used to not believe what you were sharing, but then I kind of noticed that I was being let down by these absurd price targets or the hope or the Riddler community. And you know, here we actually have some data to look at, like we have the charts, we could actually prove it. Like when I shared with the world the difference between the flip of USDT and XRP, whenever XRP drops below USDT. That was like a mind blowing piece of information to just take the market cap and divide it by the amount of XRP tokens. And every fucking time we saw XRP pump, it would catch up to that market cap and perfectly hit those numbers. That's how I was doing it. I'm not, that's not like esoteric. That's me just taking numbers on coin market cap and doing some quick division. But I noticed a pattern. I identified a pattern. Why? Because I wasn't distracted. I was looking at something that I kept seeing repeatedly happening in the market so anywho getting back to the the xrp thing and i mean i uh, the future of xrp is pretty obvious like it's it is chosen to be a very important cryptocurrency in the space it is one of my it's my second biggest position and it might become my first someday i don't know i just the the way that i'm using xrp at this time is if i could see its stability i would want to take it on as like a source of payment, but I don't think it's it's not stable at all. It keeps pumping and dumping over and over again, very predictably. Um, and I have a feeling that the next time it makes a big move, it's probably going to become stable and it's going to become stable in a way that a lot of people don't want to like, won't like. Uh, I, I don't, I think it might have a surge in price. And then the next time it comes down to like, what's called a selling climax and Wyckoff method, that moment, it might become very stable and that would be when it actually has utility because you can't utilize it uh for its for its full blown utility the way that perhaps i've been that i've learned um with it zigzagging around the way that it is now like it's just it's right. insanity it's not stable at all and you would need that stability um in order for it to be a true instrument uh, at the level that it's uh supposed to be but um is there any other question regarding that? Because I'm not entirely sure Well, if no, I answered no, That's
0: you. good. And I want to break that down further for people. So you could get liquidity from Ripple's on-demand liquidity without having to hold XRP on your end, on your balance sheet. You could get that liquidity while the price is fluctuating. But what we would want to see and what we'd want to hope for is that these institutions are going to use the on-demand liquidity, are going to use it for cross-border payments, treasury flows, for other use cases, but for them to actually want to hold it on their balance sheet like you said um they're they're not going to want to hold an asset that can can you know go down uh 50 to 75% every couple of years yeah. um and, and actually or
1: 50 percent every couple of months
0: you know yeah yeah i was going to say even more volatile than that cuz <clears throat> that that thing moves quickly so i mean as far as um this case this this stage, the most staged lawsuit in the history of the SEC, this whole charade, we get this thing to wrap up here sometime in the next year, maybe, and we are expecting a pretty big move, but this is an interesting theory. So you're suggesting that we might get something where XRP pumps to um, what, what kind of numbers are you thinking about? Like, you, you know, pumps to $10 and then comes back and stabilizes at three pumps to $100 and come back and stabilizes at 10. what What do you got in mind? So, my
1: system is pretty much a mixture, like I've told you, between Gamatria and uh, obviously TA. And with TA, if it does enter price discovery, if it wants to actually break that $3.20, $3.30 region, there's like thin air between two bucks and infinity, you know, like there is no trading range up there. So if it wants to really make a move, you know, the next technical level for me would be about $7.60 to $8.60. That's a little bit based in Gamatria, but that also has to do with like the one six, one eight, the golden ratio with Fibonacci retracement. And then you would probably have like 14 to $15. And if it really wants to get zesty, I think like 22 to 23. So for me, like, I don't really see based in my work, you know, I know that people could have their own theories and whatnot, but for me, based in my work of the combination of all of what I shared, um, 22 to 23, maybe 25. If we start getting above that, uh, I just don't really know how um, long that would last. And then what would happen? You know, like we end up in this, like, place that is inconceivable for me. Anything's possible in this matrix, but if it was to do a move like 14 to $22, the rollover could be very harsh. Like we're talking about a 95% correction after that. And um I would love to see XRP stabilize above a dollar. Like I think that would be I think its true value should probably be above $5, but that would only be if it's really going to be used as a as as something that has the true utility and and not just the speculative asset that's hip hopping around as as such. You know, I mean, I do think it's a little bit strange how XRP and a basket of other tokens that were trading before the twenty seventeen bull run, some of them have not entered price discovery. Like you have Dash, you have Stellar Lumens. I mean, I look at a bunch of them almost every week, and I'm surprised that. Bitcoin even had this new bull run, Uh, ETH had a new bull run, but XRP didn't, you know, so it's like this four year cycle talk, um, it might be a conversation only for Bitcoin. uh, And, and whatever new altcoin hits the market in mid cycle of the next recovery you know what i'm saying like if a new coin gets invented in 2022 or 20 or sorry 2023 that of course has an opportunity to enter uh you know whatever parabolic alt season of the future but Monero, it couldn't make a new all-time. I mean, it's, it's a long list. It's an exhaustive list. While we saw a huge list of nonsense go on to do 10,000%, 100,000%, 200,000% gains, um, XRP clearly not being one of them. So this, this is interesting. Okay. Because what made those huge alt seasons happen? um, Of course, there was liquidity injected by the fed, but ultimately it was excitement from retail. It was just piling in uh, buy orders uh, for retail. And we saw this happen like twice with XRP in the last season. It was before the flare network uh, speculation, which then immediately led to the SEC case. (laughs) And it like, you know, it created that, that pump dump crash. And then the next opportunity uh, was the Wall Street bets debacle that happened with, uh, you know, during the GameStop times. And I think XRP got caught up in the forums of Reddit for that whole moment. You know what I'm saying? When right, And there was a pump, a pump dump moment then. And that for me, when I saw the exit of liquidity, I said to myself, oh shit, these XRP investors are all talk. They are all talk. Like, there's obviously a huge social media presence but they're not holding their bags man they are playing like hot potato and they don't give a fuck about a long-term investment thesis and for me as a trader i always traded in a way that i i secured a lot of my position but then i kept a a ton of cheap xrp like i got all my xrp under 20 cents so i'm playing the, the super long game thus far but When I see these big pump dump event uh, moments, and then it just keeps returning back to support, it's telling me that the the retail investors have an opportunity here to really walk the talk and to start holding their their coins and and building more positions and dollar cost averaging into this token. And I I just don't see it. It's
0: not showing up on the charts. I think it's so important that you talk about, because that's exactly what I'm worried about for so many people is, XRP pumping to $20. Let's just say, let's have fun. XRP pumps to 20 bucks, but then it does an 80, 90% retracement lives are going to be ruined. I mean, people are going to lose their minds because they're going to see what their portfolio went to. They're going to have all of their orders that didn't go through. They're going to be throwing their phone against the wall. And then it comes back down to five bucks. People are going to be ruined through that unless they understand that this is I think part of uh, kind of what we've been caught up in, they've kept it suppressed. They've made us struggle for so long, hoping and praying that the moon date was gonna come through, the flip of the switch. Then eventually we'll get it. We'll get get some crazy event. Nobody's gonna be able to sell or it's gonna be limited our ability to. And then it's gonna come back down. And just like it always does. Like people think that this thing's just gonna go up forever. And I think that so many people within our community, I'm worried about them getting caught up in that and not being prepared for that moment it's going to be uh, pretty violent i think and dramatic yeah i mean if you just take the last uh, bull cycle that it had
1: or i don't i won't even say that the last all time high in january of 2018 it it went up to like $3.20 and then for 28 days straight like there was barely any Uh, green candles for literally one month straight. It lost 80% of its value. And then it lost 70% of its value within like the first seven days. So if it was to pump to like 22 bucks, okay. And then in the first week, just roll over 70%, it would already be down to like five bucks. But then if it, if it had, you got to remember, right? Like there would be way more market cap if it was to go to 22. (laughs) (laughs) that if it was to go to you know what i'm saying so like if it lost the a similar amount comparatively um if we even wanted to play that game you know you're talking about right back down to three bucks um you're talking from 22 to three in a blink of an eye and you want to know why very few people are going to try selling on the way down because they're going to think that it's going to just oh we're going to have a bull trap it's going to bounce back up blow off tops are so elusive okay anyone who thinks you're like a wizard and you're going to play the blow off top effectively, like wake up. The reason you don't make good decisions in markets is because you're always playing the what ifs of the the following moment and you're never taking action in the present moment. So for me, like you, people need to create an investment plan today. You know, what if XRP goes to 20 bucks? Okay. Well, I know what I'm going to do, but I guarantee you brother, There's going to be all these people coming out on the internet with 2 million subscribers, these 10 million TikTok subscribers. And when XRP is at 20, they're going to be talking about XRP at 50 and people are going to be getting sucked in and it's going to roll. And you know, this is how the game is. So I advise people, I'm not trying to tell you that the person who says 50 is wrong. I'm trying to tell you that don't get greedy when you have 20 in your, in your vision and then the next day when the, when it rolls over like 70, 80% and the exchanges are down because there's like the liquidity is just too much to handle. You know, you don't want to be that person. You just don't want to, because you've, you got too influenced, you know, be your own influencer.
0: I, and I've been saying the same thing. You guys need to write down your exit strategy, actually write it out so that you can stick to it. And I, you know, try to take it one step further. Obviously you can only limit your sell orders going so high on these exchanges, but have your sell orders put in beforehand. Have your exit strategy written out so that you can have conviction during these moments. It's going to be dramatic. There's going to, I, I mean, we'll be hopping on. We'll say be talking about how crazy this is. Guys, be ready. If you need to take profits, take some profits. But then there's going to be all the other influencers telling you, yeah, that this is it. It's going to um, $100 next week. And it's going to set up a lot of people for uh, confusion and failure. So definitely, now let's, let's, In conclusion, let's wrap up a couple points here on what can we do. We talked here about having an exit strategy for XRP, but obviously this is going to apply to all of our cryptocurrency, all of our investments. I was curious on your thoughts on some of the other asset classes as well. So you briefly mentioned um, silver. What's your take on precious metals and that opportunity?
1: You know, I mean, they're not really of the future, but there is some interesting stats in the background about like the mining and the supply and the price and it's obvious that it's suppressed but like what isn't so you know like we could have a conversation all day about the what is suppressed and then we could look at all the charts right and i think the precious metals bugs like, like that's the kind of game they play with a lot of people is this whole idea that eventually there's going to be this moment where we we go where the price discovery mechanism is allowed. Okay. Mm-hmm. This is something that I'm keeping my focus on the future and the future's blockchain. And the future is, uh, for me, if it's not a home, like it's not a house, I don't see the point of even bothering with the investment besides investing in myself. So my number one investment that I make is in myself. My number two investment that I make is in crypto. My number three investment that I make is, uh, pretty much fiat, <laughs> you know, like I, as I think cash is King, it's going to be King for a while, especially for the U S dollar. Um, and especially this year, the year of the Shemitah being over, it's always a deflationary year. We're getting a little bit of correction and the DXY, but when we look at holistically comparatively, you know, it will be the winner by the end of 2023. So yeah, my, my vision on where to put my money personally would be invested in a business. And then invest in crypto and then invest in real estate. And if you're somebody who's more nomadic and you don't want to go the, re- see, the real estate one is really a whole other ball game. and I don't recommend it to people who do not have a business. So stop fucking around with learning Forex and you know, uh, retail, uh, the housing, you know, kind of game, real estate, you know, don't mess around with that right now. like learn how to make a business, like learn how to get cash flow um that'll be way more lucrative in the long term and that'll be something like a skill that could be here forever you know housing is highly manipulated as well and i think we're about to see a huge correction in that so i'm being patient i believe there's an opportunity in housing into 2023 and i will potentially being be, i will take action in it but it's only because i have businesses and i have a crypto portfolio and i have a, a, an investment plan with that much precious effect. metals are not precious metals are not in my vision at this time i think they're uh, gonna continue to be suppressed i think that pretty much whatever price discovery you get on them will be just he- possibly we could use the term hedge i don't really want to use it because it's like not really true like if you just look at the way that the charts are on gold and silver it's like eh i have a hard time in calling that a good investment. I just think like maybe if you're somebody who wants to play that game it might be a less emotional roller coaster for you than something like bitcoin, but for me like I rather put my money in a business than in precious metals.
0: Amen. Yeah. And for me I've been saying mostly why I have silver on me is because I want to have what I call a blackout barter. I want to have the ability to trade and and move stuff around here if the systems go down or, you know, just offline assets. Now at that time is someone going to want my bar of silver or are they going to want food? Probably going to want my food, but I got some of that too. So that's where I'm covering all of my offline assets and I've made silver a big part of that. Um, and so that's, that's been an interesting thing to see how manipulated it is and, and you know, how much longer can they suppress it? They've been able to suppress it and manipulate it for so long. And, um, does appear that we might be at a breaking point here soon, but like you said, for me as well, my best investments have always been back into myself, my education, my knowledge, and my businesses. Nothing turns turns out a return like my businesses, and I know I can count on it. It's not relying upon somebody else. I'm not trying to figure out. Um, y- you know, uh, f- for me, business has has come naturally, bringing value to the world has come naturally to me, and. Spreading out here, I always wondered, how was I ever going to have a global business? I I started out, um, I have a little landscape business that I started back in 2015. It was my first business. And I used that business to teach me everything I needed to know about business. I basically got an MBA in business just from pounding the streets, selling, learning sales, learning how to hire people, um, learning how to run a team, manage cash flow. That was great. But I always thought, what am I going to do on a bigger scale? You know, I want to do something bigger. And then we stumble into this media thing and this media operation. And that, to me, it took me a while to realize that we have this global reach. We have this global impact and how important it is to be doing this. You know, I feel like it's an obligation and a duty. And, you know, maybe you're not going to find your passion. Maybe you're just you have a skill set that can help you bring it in. But that's right where I've been at, too, my friend, is that, people need to get their cash flow up because whether it's just surviving the inflation crisis, higher food prices, higher rent um, or uh, you want to take advantage of what I call the greatest transfer of wealth in world history is underway this uh, will allow you to buy all of these suppressed assets or to you know build out your own business right So for me I've been in the same spot. I wanted to talk about some of the programs and courses uh, that people can, access over at your website. And we'll put all the links on down below guys for waters above his website, his Patreon. But I know you just launched a couple new courses. Give us a breakdown of, of what you have to offer us.
1: Well, I really appreciate you um, bringing that up. So I have a crypto mastermind course. If you go on my website, watersabove.com, you'll see it's the one at the top. It is a beginner and intermediate level course that covers everything from basic beginner level stuff like developing your own investment thesis, building a portfolio, learning how to read the charts, and all the way to the exit strategy. So I actually have an exit strategy blueprint that's included for free within that course. And it teaches you all the Gematria numerology and astrology applications. So if you wanted to go in the sequence of it from start to finish, you're really going to walk away with I always like Pareto's principle, you know, like the 80-20 rule, like you're going to walk away with the stuff that's really going to make a change um, without any of the minutiae, without any of the noise. So I I did my due diligence to make sure that I created that to have as much value as possible. and. Then I have a trading course, but I really don't recommend that to people unless they do know how to read charts. And like you mentioned, you doubled your bag in the last, uh, you know, some odd time with um, following some of my work, and that's really amazing. And that put the biggest smile on my face to to hear. And not everyone's capable of doing that without knowing TA. Not everyone's capable of doing that without knowing some of the user interface stuff that comes along with getting it into exchanges. So. I always recommend that it's kind of something that's best for people that at least know TA. So it's like a part two to that crypto mastermind course. And then just recently, I came out with my expansion mastermind, which is not about crypto. And it's like my uh, introduction to the world of like a digital online coaching course. Like it's, I designed it to feel like you're being coached by me through this consciousness expansion, you know, like all this stuff that comes back to a lot of the you know, little words of wisdom that I was sharing along the way in this interview, talking about attention, talking about discipline, focus. Um, I even mentioned uh, before this transmission that I'm working on a new chapter for that, that I'm releasing soon, and it's called skills. And it's really going to be dope because it's focused on how to take some of the things that you're passionate about or things that you already do in your day-to-day life and convert that into something that could become a source of income or something that you're teaching people about in the world. And that could eventually become a source of income. But I noticed the the missing links of what's happening in the world and people, and I just responded to it with that course. And I think it's perfect for everyone because whether you're male, female, it's going to touch on food. I talk about detox and fasting and health because, you know, like if your health isn't good, then who cares how many Bugattis you have like, or how successful your business, like cash flow is irrelevant if you have, if you're sick and you can't hike up a mountain or play with your children, you know? So I, I tried to cover as much as, as possible in that course, everything from health to wellness, to mindset, to self-improvement, uh, manifestation,
0: Yeah. Love it. Love it. I would highly encourage everyone to check out this man's work. I personally have used it to my benefit. I can uh, attest to that. Like I said, um, definitely you've gotten us tapped in and you are over the target 100%. Your work, I put it up uh, higher than than most. I I think you're one of the top guys in the space when it comes to uh, what, what you're sharing on your channel. So I just want to wish you continued success. I want to say thank you for joining us on this platform. And I want to make sure that everyone uh, does us a favor, smashes this video with by hitting that thumbs up. And then let's share this message far and wide and get everyone tapped in because uh, Waters Above separates himself from the rest of the crowd in a way that is really beautiful. And what you're creating out there is very unique, brother. So congratulations. And I wish you continued success. Thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate you having
1: me on and giving me the platform and I'm grateful for you and your community. And I know my community came over and I
0: really would love for them to
1: subscribe to your channel and check out more of your work.
0: All right. Thank you, brother. All right, folks, we will see you guys in the next one. Take care. We'll see y'all. Much love. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Greatest Transfer of Wealth with your host, Zach Rector. Please remember to follow us over on Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, and Rumble. To get in touch, please just head on over to ZachRector.com, You can check out all of our affiliate links and get access to our exclusive Discord community over at the website. We appreciate all of you for tuning in, and all that we ask is that you share this message with other like-minded individuals. If you appreciate the show, feel free to go ahead and leave us a five-star review. We will see you in the next one. Take care, and God bless.